0: Easy fight your battle. Jovan Easy fight your battles. Jovan Easy fight your battle. Jovan Easy fight your battle. Jovan Jaira meets your knees. Jehovah Shalom your peace Jehovah Nisi fight your battle Jehovah Jireh meet your you Jehovah Rapha heal your body Jehovah Shalom be your peace Jehovah Nisi fight your battle Jehovah wrap I in Your body. Jehovah shallow me Your feet. Call the name. Call the name. Call the name. Call the name. So... Oh. But I won't go down. I hear your voice carried in the rhythm of the wind to call me out. You would cross an ocean. can see so clear what it's all.
1: presence today. We stand in your presence today, God. Lord, we sense your nearness, your closeness, but it's your word that brings us life. It's your word that brings us life. We honor you today. Spirit of God, we honor you. We worship you. We thank you for today. Jesus, Lord, I thank you for this moment right now. God, I thank you for that title of that song or the lyric that said, Jaira, you are enough provider. God, our provider, you are enough. So many times in our lives, we, we think there are other things that are going to be enough, but you in and of yourself are enough for every person in this room today. You in and of yourself are more than enough for every person, every dilemma, God, every need, every every deficiency, every confusion, every sickness, every illness. God, you are enough. And we look to you today, Jaira. We look to you today. And we honor you. We give you worship and praise for all that you are, for all that you do. Lord, in this place today, let the name of Jesus, let the power of his spirit rule and reign. And Lord, we'll say thank you, trusting you, believing you. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. It's so good to see you this morning. Welcome to Praise Assembly, and uh, we're just so glad to have you here. Let's take a few moments and greet the people around you. God bless you today. Well, again, welcome to Praise Assembly. It's so good to see you here today. And if you are our guest today, if you could fill out our Connect card. See, for those of you that come here every week and you hear me say this, Same announcement, but you hear me say it all the time. If you're a guest here, you don't know this. So if you could complete this Connect card, and at the end of our worship service, bring it out into our lobby, and we have our guest services desk there, hand that in. They have a gift for you, and uh, we would just greatly appreciate it if you could do that for us. Maybe it's your second or third time. You've never done that. That would be a tremendous help to us, and we would greatly appreciate it. So as the ushers come and are prepared to... uh, to receive our offering today, how many like salads? I here like salads? I Maybe mean, just a couple of like ah oh, rabbit food. Yeah, not if you add a bunch of good stuff in it, right? Then it's not rabbit food. And uh, you know one of the one of the ones we have at, at our home is uh, Newman's Own. Newman's Own. Paul Newman. I mean, for some of you that are younger, you're like who in the world is Paul Newman? Did he walk walk with Jesus? Yeah, he probably did. Um, but we have we have some of his dressing, and. There's a slogan on it that I saw, and I'm like, wow, because I I knew that in 1980, Paul Newman and a friend made homemade salad dressing, and they put it in used wine bottles, gave it to people for Christmas, and it was a big hit, and then he decided, boy, why can't we just make some of this, and then uh, all the proceeds go to to just charities and different things, and... um, And I think to date, uh, they're at like $600 or something like that towards charities from his dressing line. But the slogan on here says this. Let's give it all away. Let's give it all away. I mean, I read it and I was kind of like blown away. Let's let's give it all away. And when you think about that attitude, uh, Jesus tried to convey that to this rich young man who had done the right things all his life. And he asked Jesus, how can I be perfect? And once he fulfilled all the other things that Jesus had mentioned, then Jesus said to him, go sell all you have, and you'll have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. And that's what Jesus said to that one specific man, because he knew what was in his heart, he knew what was going on but what a message for all of us that giving needs to be an attitude that is kind of like this in the sense of let's just do everything we can Let, let's let's give it all away and that's when when we worship here this morning in our giving we have an opportunity to give with that same spirit of God, I'm just going to be generous. I'm just going to give of myself everything. And so as we give and and, and worship today, uh, I just pray that that becomes more and more our heart, our attitude. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be able to worship you in this powerful, life-giving way. I pray you'd bless this offering. And Lord, uh, everyone who participates in it. Let there be a renewed joy, a renewed excitement about giving ourselves away. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's worth, that will bless your heart, I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in Much deeper within Through the way things are
1: worship team thank you so much hey we have some announcements to make today we have some upcoming things this wednesday night uh this, this past wednesday was our rangers award ceremony night and this coming wednesday is our girls ministries award ceremony night so come on out support our girls ministries and we appreciate it. we'd love to see you there um, we also have this Friday night, uh, September 1st. Okay, so that, that is, a, that is a, uh, a typo there. It should be September 1st from 6 to 9 p.m. We have Water Wars. That's coming up this Friday. It's $5. Bring that with you. Not in pennies, please, or nickels. Just bring it in a five or ones. That'll be good. And then also make sure that you're aware of September 10th is our $60 deposit for youth convention. Tagging onto that. Um, several of you have asked me this morning, some students have talked to me, um, if you have sponsored a student and you're not sure how much, how many have done that you sponsored, you're like, I don't even remember what I sponsored you for. Um, that we have a, we have a master list so you can go to them. If they don't know, they can come to me and find out what that is. But if you can get that in quickly, that would be tremendous so that we can get a final count and a final tally, uh, regarding the Rocky challenge and your sponsorship. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, we have bags that are continued book bags that we, we need for the Wilmington Head Start. Uh, those are due by September 3rd, and that is uh, next uh, Sunday, a week from today. So if you have any questions, please see Joy, uh, Joy Coleman. Her, um, her number's there. Please, please see her. That would be fantastic. Uh, also, uh, this coming, no, not, the, I'm sorry, not this coming Saturday, Saturday, September 16th at 8 a.m., We'll begin our kickoff in the fall here for our men's breakfast, and I hear we got some new chefs, new cooks that are coming up through the ranks, so breakfast will be like even better than it's been in the past because the the old guys have shown the young guys the new tricks, and so it's going to be a fantastic day, and speaking of of older guys, I know Ralph uh, turned 80 today, and uh, that's pretty exciting, yeah, and so... Um, you know he's he's still giving for his birthday. He wants he wants people to sponsor him for Convoy of Hope. So if you haven't given there, go ahead and do that. But that's something that's uh, happening. And Men's Breakfast is coming up quickly. And the last announcement for today is we want to pray for all of our students today. Um, I know we have our um, our. Uh, preschool and kindergarten and elementary school students are on that side of the building. We have middle school, high school in here, but I want to take a moment, and if you have a middle school or a high school student next to you, and you know them, don't make it awkward if you don't know them, but if you know them, put your arm on their, on their, or your hand on their shoulder, and we want to take a moment and pray for them right now. So let's, let's do that together. Father, I thank you I thank you for each young man and young woman that sits here and and is over in the other side of in our kids' men area of our building. And I pray your blessing and your power over their life today. God, I thank you for everything that you've done in them this summer. I thank you for the physical growth that's happened. I thank you for the emotional and the spiritual growth that's happened. And we pray for this school year that they would be powerful men and women for you. God, I pray you would bless them in their academics that you would help their minds to be able to focus on what needs to happen. That you'd, you'd cause there to be quick recall. And Lord, even subjects that they battle with for years, God, let, it, let them have an ability to do well. So let them shine as a student. If they're involved in clubs, uh, dramas, sports, God, let them uh, be successful in what they pursue. Bless them, anoint them to use their gifts, their talents, and their abilities for you. And Lord, we also pray for them as a witness of you that they are followers of Jesus, that they would be a light wherever they go. Spirit, give them words to speak from your word. God, let them uh, be able to stand, uh, maybe in a culture that is contrary to you. Bless them and anoint them to be a light for you, that they might share the truth of who you are this year in a powerful way. Lord, I thank you that um, you're with them. We talked about uh, the Holy Spirit in our life group this morning, that you are with us constantly. You never leave our side. You literally reside in us and you are with us in every moment. Let them always remember that, God, you literally never leave them, never forsake them. Bless them, bless their teachers, bless the staff, the administrators that that lead them and help them. God, let there be a mighty revival among uh, middle school and high school students around our state And Lord, we will say thank you for all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
3: Well, thank you, Pastor Hans. He said, let's give it all away, and it was sitting right between he, he and I. So, and I have no idea the last time you had something green, so... Like he said, salads are really good when you add all that other stuff. You know, I've had salad, uh, or there are rumors that I've had salad. Um, when you add bacon to it, it's really, really tasty. <laughs> I had to. I had to. Let's give it all away. <clears throat> and uh, that's, our plug. that's his plug for Newman's salad dressing. And by the way, said that 100% of the profits go to kids, help kids. So that's a good thing. <sighs> How many of you have ever been offended? How many of you have ever offended someone else? You're in good company. I'm not talking about me. I'm I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus. Let's begin this morning by reading from Matthew chapter 15, starting with verse 21. Matthew 15, verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. And so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. But the woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. And he replied to her, he said, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. And I want us to read from a a parallel passage where the same event is recorded in the Gospel of Mark. Listen to this, Mark chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus left that place, went to the vicinity of Tyre, he entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home, found her child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Father God, we thank you for this incredible event. And Lord, we thank you that it's not exclusively something first century, but this kind of power is always available for us. I thank you, Lord, for your power over all things, for your authority over all things. And I thank you, Lord, for your word for us today. Lord, as we study Jesus, that we'd see him more clearly, that we'd, that we'd realize who he really is. And Lord, I pray that you do, do everything you can through us to help others to come to know him. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So again, this morning, we're going to continue in this series, Jesus Said. And what Jesus said in this passage is truly, I think, quite unique. Obviously, what we've just read seems to display to us a very different side of the Jesus whom we usually think about or imagine or picture in our minds. We usually think of Jesus being incredibly kind and docile, always accommodating, forever gracious, don't we? And of course, in the, in the end of this story, he does perform a miracle here for this woman. And this little girl does get released from her demon possession. And usually when this passage is preached, if you think back in the past, the emphasis is usually upon the faith and the perseverance of the Syrophoenician woman. That's usually the story about this story. This woman is usually the focus of of, of this passage when it's preached. And certainly she is an incredible example for us. In that we should never give up asking of God. She was persistent. She persevered. She was not going to go away empty-handed. This woman was determined. She's an excellent example of perseverance. But this morning, I want us to look at these verses a little differently. I want us to look and notice Jesus himself. Let's just put the woman to the side for a moment. Just focus on Jesus. If we really focus on his response to this woman in great need, if you look at his response, I'm telling you, he looks, in in this passage, he looks cruel, uncaring, cavalier. He looks, I mean, this is offensive, And what I want to suggest to you this morning is that the reality is that many of the things that Jesus did during his earthly ministry at times seemed offensive. And then I also want you to consider how he as a person, as a a person, could sometimes be considered offensive. In John chapter 15, verse 18, Jesus stated how the world hates him. Uh, The context was, the world's going to hate you because they hated me first. And if you think about that, the world hates him in general for no specific reason. I mean, what, what did Jesus do that was so bad, right? I mean, we, we know him as our savior and we realize how loving he is. And how, I mean, he died so that we could live forever. Why does the world hate him so much? I mean, there really is just a general disdain towards Jesus. It exists today just as it did then. I know we're aware of it. There, there's this vague and ambiguous and somewhat undefined hatred for, for who he is, all that he is. And I'm sure you've noticed this, how the world, and, and at the same time, the world has no problem with God. Isn't that interesting? They hate Jesus, but they have no problem with God. The concept of God. You know, you could, you could leave here today. You could go, go to a restaurant. You could talk to your neighbor. You could talk to anyone about God. And, and, and you'll, you'll rarely, if ever, will you see any noticeable discomfort. People are still somewhat comfortable talking about God. But the minute you begin to talk about Jesus, things change, don't they? I mean they immediately there's an issue and I mean studies have been done polls have been done surveys have been done 90 percent of Americans today say that they believe in God they don't have a problem with God but obviously it's not the same percentage who would respond and say that they believe in Jesus as their savior and what I'm going to tell you now is going to sound very strange for me to say but you know what if you believe in God no big deal it's no big deal to believe in God. If 90% of Americans believe in God, it's really no big deal. Because I want you to understand something, even demons believe in God. And boy, they know God is real. James chapter 2 verse 19, just in case I'm not making this up, this is right out of the Word of God. James 2 19 says, you believe, and I sense a little sarcasm in James, you believe that there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that. You see, what, you see what James is saying? Just what I told you. It's no big deal. If you believe in God, it's no big deal. The big deal is believing in Jesus Christ as Savior. And so again, God is not so much of a problem in our world. But you see, Jesus is a problem. And the prince of this world works constantly to incite hatred towards the only one who truly loves the world. He truly loves the world. He truly loves us. So again, people have a general discomfort for the person of Jesus until they come to know him as Savior. And then we love him. Amen. We love him because he first loved us. Amen. And then when you look at passages like this one, you can see some of the things that Jesus said and did that really could be considered offensive. I mean, this woman asked for help. She has nowhere else to go. There's no one, she knows there's no one else she can go to. And she goes to Jesus. And at first, as we read, Jesus won't even answer her. He says nothing. And so the disciples pick up on this and they're thinking, okay, Jesus doesn't want to bother with her. He doesn't want to be interrupted by her. So they, they, they suggest, Lord, just send her away. If you're not going to talk to her, if you're not going to engage in conversation with her, if you're not going to do anything, just send her away. She verbalizes her need to Jesus and he essentially tells her, my own Jewish people are more important. And you know, if that event happened today in our day, think about it. Today's woman would have walked away. It wouldn't wouldn't be an illustration of perseverance. She would have walked away. She would have gone home. Then she would have fired up her laptop turned on her iPhone, posted all over social media about what an evil person Jesus was. Really, isn't that true? She would have defamed him. She would have probably garnered a couple million likes and comments and reactions in less than just a few hours. Because that's what we do today when we're offended. We walk away and we get revenge. It's such a shame that we have social media outlets today, really. You know, when I was a new Christian, most most sermons, if they preached against anything, they preached against television. How many are old enough to remember that? Television, the one-eyed demon, the big round screen, get it out of your house, don't give it any time, don't worship that demon in your living room, and of course, we all went home secretly and watched, you know, because television was evil, it'd be used for evil, and it has been a lot of propaganda on TV. But look at social media. Boy, I wish you could turn back those hands of time. Because you can assail anyone with a simple click. Now, this woman, again, was not going to go away empty-handed. And apparently, Jesus liked a certain quality in her. Because, you see, she was shrewd, wasn't she? She was shrewd. This, this gal could think on her feet. But you've got to understand, too, she's desperate. And when you're desperate, you will say things and you will, I mean, she is not going to let go. And, and, you know, if you remember too, in Jesus, in the gospel of Luke, he mentioned shrewdness as something to be desired. In Luke 16, 8, it mentions how the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. We're pretty naive. And I believe that what Jesus was saying was that apparently shrewdness can be an asset. But Jesus says to her, we don't give. We don't give the children's bread to dogs. Did he just call her a dog? Really? What an analogy. And she doesn't care. Because she wants her daughter free and he knows he's the man who can do it. And so in her shrewdness, she replies, she tells him, you know, even the dogs get the bread. They get the crumbs that fall to the floor. And what does he do? Immediately commends her and he says, your daughter's healed, go home. But again, she didn't just go away with the first perceived rejection. I thank God for that example, that woman. True story. It's not a parable, true story. I thank God for that illustration because it reminds us that we do need to persevere. We need to keep going to God and saying, Lord, I need you to do something. When you really need something done, you need to go to him. Not look to every other option and go to him. And even if you feel as though maybe, maybe God's, you know, he, he's not interested in your problem right now. You got to trust me. He is. He sympathizes with our weakness. He is that great high priest who sympathizes like no one. Maybe I should, should, the Bible used the word sympathize, but empathizes with us deeper than that. He knows our needs even before we speak them. It's all in the word. But you know, some people do get offended and they leave. They leave him. And I want us to take a look at the sixth chapter of John. You have got to see this. You've got to see this. The verses that we're going to read next have a lot of red letters because Jesus is telling the Jews that he's going to become a sacrifice for them. He's going to become a sacrifice for the sins of man. And he tells them through, an, through this analogy of flesh and blood that sinners need to have an intimate relationship with him, a deep communion with the Savior, or they're not going to get into heaven. They need to have a real intimacy with Jesus as the son of God and God in order to receive eternal life. And we're going to pick up reading at John 6 verse 52. Look at this. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh... He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. And then verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? I mean, think about this. He's telling them, you've got to eat me. Cannibalism. And, then, and his disciples, who can accept it? Verse 61, aware that the disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they're full of the Spirit and life. And yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. And then verse 66, a very troubling verse, verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now he knew, and the Jews of his day <clears throat> knew, that eating or drinking blood was forbidden. That, that was not kosher. It was in, it's in the Levitical laws. It's back in the, uh, the, the Pentateuch. It's, it's there. You don't eat. So Jesus is not teaching heresy. He's teaching through an illustration. That if you want to be intimate with me, it's got to be that close. You know, the closest that I can think of, like in the book of Revelation... In chapter 3 verse 20, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will open that door, I will come in to him and I will sup with him. I will fellowship with him. I'll eat with him. Eating with someone really is a form of intimacy. We don't don't like eating with strangers. We'd really, if you're traveling somewhere, you'd probably rather just eat at a table alone than just find some stranger over in the other corner and hey, let's eat together because I'm alone. You wouldn't do that. We eat with people we trust. We eat with people that we like. We eat with people that we're comfortable with. And Jesus is talking about intimacy here without a doubt. And that very last verse, it says, he said all that to tell them that you've got to have an intimate relationship with me to live forever. Verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They gave up. Unlike the other, the woman, the Syrophoenician, who wouldn't even have Jewish origin. She didn't have a Jewish heritage. She was a Canaanite. She was heathen. She wasn't going to give up. She wanted things to be made right in her life. She wanted her daughter healed. They write them off. They write them off. They're done with Jesus. And all Jesus did was speak truth to them. But they're offended. And they turn away. Now, you know, we all know. I hope you know. Jesus is not speaking literally here. He really is using that illustration. He is not advocating cannibalism. That would have been bizarre. He was a rabbi. He never would have taught that. He's using an analogy. We've all done it. But apparently it offended them. And so they did exactly, as I suggested to you earlier, they did exactly what any modern person today would do. They walked away. They walked away. And I would say this: They didn't have social media, but they spread the word about Jesus. They really did. And he lost a lot of followers that day. But I'll tell you what: I thank God that Jesus was no milk toast. He was no Walter Mitty. He was no Fred Rogers. And I don't mean to offend Fred Rogers, but Jesus was a man's man. He was direct. Amen. I mean, from what we've read, he was very direct. He was forthright. The Bible tells us that he was the way and the truth and the life. And in that process, he becomes offensive. Here's another angle I want you to look at. I want you to consider this. Think for a moment of some of the weird ways that Jesus healed people during his earthly ministry. Okay, we're going to look at a couple. But if you read the Gospels, I'm telling you, there's some great examples of how Jesus may have also seemed to be a little bizarre... And maybe offensive to some people. There were some strange things that he did when he, you know, we read about the various healings that he performed. And I really wish the Bible told us more about the people who were standing around. I wish we could have gained their perspective. No judgment is made in Scripture. We just see, we just read, you'll, you'll see. You, you just read about it, he heals them, and they go on. But I'd love, I would have loved to have been on the street then and just heard what people were saying. So, Following this encounter with the woman in Mark chapter 7, Mark tells us about another healing. This is also in Mark chapter 7 and it's verse 31. Look at this. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought him a man who is deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on them. Okay? See, they Jesus, they, they, just touch him. That's not what Jesus did. It says, after he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Does anyone here enjoy that? I mean, really, just the thought of it. It's like nails on a blackboard, you know? Just, then that kind of just gave me a chill. Really, you don't want someone putting their fingers in your ears. Then he spit, and he touched the man's tongue fingers are in ears and he takes at least one finger and touches his tongue and he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh he said to him which means be opened and at this the man's ears were opened and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak plainly wouldn't you have loved if there were any if there were any observers there I would have loved to heard what they thought because I know what I'm thinking this is crazy Next chapter, Mark. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Says, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man, begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand, led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes. Now, please. I would never do that to you. Don't ever. (laughs) This This is written here, folks. It's real. When he had spit on the man's eyes. And put his hands on him. Jesus asked, do you see anything? I'd be ready with a response. (laughs) Yeah, I see your saliva dripping all over my cornea. He looked up and said, I see people. And they look like trees walking around. Now, that's kind of strange too. Really? Jesus. (laughs) Okay, spit on his. Yeah, spit on his eye. We know that. But he, he prays for his healing. And the man is not healed perfectly. He sees people as trees walking around. They're blurry. So once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. I I don't know why it was a two-step process. I don't know. I don't know why. But listen, think about this again. Fingers in the ears, spitting in the man's eyes. How do you think that would be received today? By the way, who wants to get rid of their glasses? Come up here right now. I'm going to spit in your face. <laughs> come on, come on. And he t- no, you would, There's no way you would do that. How do you think that would get reported on social media? And my message isn't about social media today, but you know. There would be a million different comments and opinions, wouldn't there? Absolutely. Absolutely. You remember Jesus being criticized for healing a man? He had a deformed hand. And Jesus was criticized, ostracized, because he healed him on the Sabbath. I mean, how could he do such a thing? This is God's holy day. I mean, can't the man wait 24 hours? Can you imagine? I mean, there, there's a neat little verse found in Romans chapter 9, 33rd verse. Listen to this. In this, in this one verse... It's the Holy Spirit who urges the Apostle Paul to describe Jesus for who he really was, okay? And I want you to see this. Two different translations. Romans nine thirty First, the New International Version says, As it is written, see, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So there's actually a contrast here. He's a rock that some people are going to stumble over and they're going to fall. They're going to be crushed. Others are going to put their trust in him and they'll never be put to shame. And then the same verse from the King James Version says it this way. As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. Jesus was offensive. But whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. And you know, the Apostle Peter said the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 2, that Jesus was a rock of offense to the unbelieving. Remember, I started this message how, again, the world has no problem with God. You can talk to anybody about God and they're not, they're not going to fight you on it. They will feel comfortable with it. But if you start going towards Jesus, you know, then things get a little bristly. So what this verse is telling us Romans 9, 1 Peter chapter 2. Is that Jesus to some people will be an offense. He'll be a stumbling stone. The, the biblical Greek word here for that stumbling stone is the word scandalone. Scandalone. It's, the English word is scandal. That's where we get our English word scandal. To some people, he will always be offensive. But to whosoever believes in him, they will never be put to shame. What this one verse tells me is that an offense, really any offense, is always based upon perspective. Has Jesus ever offended? I mean, as a Christian, as a follower, as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, is Jesus offensive to you? Of course not. Of course not. Because you know him. You know he's not offensive. That's your perspective. But for someone who has no relationship with him, he is offensive. Because his spirit brings conviction. When we're around Jesus, we realize we have a long way to go. Even as Christians, we have a long way to go before we measure up. But to the non-Christian, it's not comfortable. It's just not comfortable. And it's not supposed to be comfortable. Because he does remind us of our imperfection, our fallenness, our great need for forgiveness of sin. But he's right there. He's right there, ready to give it. So offense, any offense, any offense. If you've ever been offended by someone, it's probably your perspective. If you're looking for offense, then you're going to find it. Amen? If you're looking for it, you're going to find it. Have you ever said something to someone Then a little, little while later? I mean, I've done this. I've said something. Just jesting, just joking. Maybe I shouldn't use jesting. That's kind of like, that's a biblical word. I'm just joking with somebody. Left here, got in the car, got halfway home, and I think, "Oh my lord, why did I say that?" And I really couldn't wait to get home, get on the phone, call them up, apologize. And you mention what you said, and you apologize for it, and they don't even recall you saying it. Has this happened to you? Right? I'm not the only one. And they admit, even after you tell them what you said, they didn't hear it. They didn't hear it. You should have just shut up. But they didn't hear it. And then you told them what you said. And they're still not offended by it. That's great. But somehow it bothered us because we felt like we were misunderstood. That happens, right? Look, I know it's still summer, but you can say amen. I mean, you know, September's coming next Sunday. This is what I'm, this is what I'm talking about when I talk about perspective. It's all about perspective. Over the years, I've had people accuse me of singling them out in sermons, accusing me of trying to embarrass them over something in their lifestyle. And you know, that's, that's, that's one of the reasons why years ago, now right now we're on this topic of Jesus said, but generally, you know my style it's expositional. I pick one book of the Bible and I go through that book chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And the beauty in this is if on any given Sunday you're here and you feel like I have targeted you oh no this isn't a shotgun I don't know what I don't know what a sniper rifle sounds like I guess it doesn't make that noise I'll talk to you later Bill maybe <laughs> yeah. but you get the point okay and they come up to me after pastor I was very offensive you offended me you just why did you single me? I didn't single you out all I was in chapter eight because we did chapter seven last week you, you understand really and as a young pastor I didn't get that when I was a brand new wet behind the ears pastor I don't know what wet behind you oh to another another sermon I would do that you know something would be going on in someone's life and I'd put this message together man they're gonna get it you know really and I'm I'm waiting I'm that Sunday morning I got the message it's all there it's airtight there's no way out of this I am going to educate them about their issue. I'd be all ready for that Sunday morning. And guess what? They wouldn't show. I wind up preaching to the choir. Nobody else needed that message but them and they weren't there. And this is before the day when we recorded messages. We have video now. Then we went to cassettes, you know, before then. But before then we didn't. So it's like I couldn't even like, hey, would you like a cassette of last Sunday sermon? It didn't exist. And you know what I did that? I did that probably five years and gave up. It's like, so what was that? Was that Satan warning them, don't go to church today? Or was that God bailing them out and trying to teach me a lesson? I don't know. I, but I stopped doing it. But in any given Sunday, I want to say this. If you ever feel that you're being targeted by a message that I'm sharing, I want you to know this. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not me. I don't do that anymore. I don't do it anymore. I don't sniper people with the word of God. Rather, I do take, right? No, that's still a rifle, isn't it? Shotgun's this way. I'm sorry. I'm not a member of the NRA, okay? Shotgun. That's the approach I use. And I let God direct the pellets wherever they need to go. Really, learned that a long time ago. What a stupid analogy. I'm so sorry. I hope I didn't offend you. Now, I, I know you're not offended. You're thinking, what a stupid pastor. But, but hopefully when I preach, I hope you do feel a degree of offense now and then. You know, Realize that it is a conviction of the Holy Spirit. That he targeted you that day through something I said. And sometimes, I was, a lot of times, as today, I'm saying things that aren't in my notes. But... One of those might be a pellet that God wanted to hit you and get your attention because that's the purpose of His Word. His words, the purpose of His Word is conviction. I'm not trying to heap guilt on anyone, but now and then the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. Conviction's powerful, we need it. And none of us are ever beyond the need for conviction and confrontation from the Holy Spirit. So please don't blame the messenger for the message. Preachers have got to be able to preach, to be faithful. In rightly dividing the word of truth. Even if it means offending. We don't want to. But it will happen. And as we've seen today. Jesus as a rabbi and a preacher and a teacher. Did sometimes appear to be offensive. Even as a healer. He did appear to be offensive sometimes. He wasn't sweet little baby Jesus all of his life. That's how the world. The world wants him powerless. Keep him in a cradle. Keep him in that little animal's trough. Please understand, someday he's going to return and he's going to be given the title judge of the world. Judge of all the world, the living and the dead. And until then, we need to care about what he thinks and what he wants to say to us, whether it's offensive or not. Amen? Good job. Because even if he tells us something or he points out something in our life that seems painful, we need to remember that he is the way and the truth and the life. And sometimes the truth can hurt. But the truth will set you free. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, just thank you, Lord, for your word, for your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I thank you for your example. As we've read here today that you were offensive to that Syrophoenician woman, to that Canaanite woman. She came to you, Lord, so open and so desperate, wanting you to do something. And you did. And you did. And we have her as an example for how we ought to persevere. I thank you for that. And Lord, we see how you heal people through some very unusual methods. But you did heal them. And Lord, we see how great crowds of people who thought they were your disciples walked away from you because they were offended because you used an analogy. All you did was you didn't use fingers in their ears You didn't refuse them to their face. You used an analogy that offended them. They were offended and they walked away. They defected. They lost. Most of those probably perished for eternity. I don't know. But Lord, I pray that none of us would ever be offended should the conviction of your Holy Spirit hit us, touch us with a need in our life. God, we know that you want the very best for us. You want deliverance for those who are demon-possessed. You want healing for those that can't see or speak or hear. That's who you are. And Lord God, I thank you that you really, you love us. You're the only one who loves us. Satan is jealous for us, but he's jealous for us in a wrong way. To bring harm to us in order to strike back at God. But Lord Jesus, you gave your life for us. You're jealous for us to the point where you gave your life so that we could live forever. And we thank you for that now. Amen. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for who you are. I thank you that you have the ability to speak to our hearts, not just our intellect through this message, but even to our hearts, God, that you can speak to our spirits, to our soul, and that you can bring change inside of us transformation sanctification and you do it by your spirit and I pray God that we would see that more and more in these last days work in us I pray God work in us in Jesus name amen amen let's stand together (sighs) father I just thank you Lord for this time together and I I do pray Lord that this would be one of those messages that just continues to bounce around in our hearts and our minds that we continue to meditate on it that we consider it at times this week coming and lord that that it would would have an impact on us and lord right now i pray your blessing on each one of us in our lives as we leave this place lord that we would god that we'd bring joy to you in the way that we live in our conversation our conduct we give you all the praise and i pray again you bless your people today in jesus name amen And amen. God bless you.